Homeland Field Division Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Homeland Field Division Podcast, where we're going to talk about Homeland Season 4's double episode premiere, the first episode being titled The Drone Queen, and that one was directed by Leslie Linka Gladder, and Trilon and Perisphere, directed by Keith Gordon, both episodes written by the showrunners, Alex Gonza and Howard Gordon. My name is Matt Murdick. I am from homelandfielddivision.wordpress.com. That's the website where you can find email links, Twitter links, uh, links to the iTunes store page. Please leave me a review. That way I can continue to improve the show for you as best I can. These will be just short little podcasts. They won't be anything extensive or anything like that. More kind of an initial reaction thing. Sunday nights are the only time that I have to record something and I have a very small window with which to do so. So you know, don't expect a great in-depth discussion, especially since it's just me. But I hope you find my thoughts uh, at least entertaining, if nothing else. Uh, I really liked these two episodes. And as uh, the real clown 24 tweeted to me at Homeland Field, he said, an amazing return. And I would agree. Um, naturally, the first couple episodes are they're going to have one thing that's really going to hit you. And then from there, uh, it's going to be back into the character building and reintroducing everything into the story. And I thought that there was a great deal of tension in these two episodes for me. I, I like that. Uh, I also like that uh, pretty quickly we got some answers to some questions we had right at the very beginning of the episode. Um, commended, uh, I commend Corey Stahl for his performance of Sandy. Uh, always great to see Corey Stahl. Became a big fan of his during the first season of House of Cards, where he played the senator, and uh, it was cool to see him in another show again, uh, even though briefly, because Sandy is the one who is giving uh, more or less uh, what we find out is, is secrets to some unknown informant in order to get locations of different uh, types of uh, terrorists. Uh, and that trade has been going on. And it just so happens that because this one, this particular attack happens at a wedding where there's a lot of civilians, everything starts to blow up from there. So let's talk about Carrie, of course, uh, since she is the primary character in the episode there's a lot of things that I didn't know about Carrie, really, that I, I kind of found out in this episode. One of them, that she's just not, you know, no matter how I think that she's starting to, to get through and, and, and work through her medicines and work through her issues and everything, um, there's just issues there that will just never go away. I guess it's time I just accept that. As much as, as, much as we like to root for Carrie as a heroine, there's also things that give you pause, and that's the big thing that I want to talk about is, is the baby bath scene. Whoa, did anybody see that coming? Um, I think it got to a point where you might be able to see that coming, but I didn't think that she would go through with it. She came awfully close 
to going through with it. I was screaming at my television when that happened. I was just like, Carrie, you know, and I, I think in my mind, I think that the thought that came to her was the same thing I was screaming out. And not only is it a terrible thing to do, obviously, but also if she wants to try and justify it to herself in some way for, for not going through with it, she can say, well, it would have ruined the career, the career that she's trying to get back to. Because she gets really put out, she's going to be relocated, of course, in the U.S. until she manages to pull the whole thing on Lockhart about finding out from Harris that secrets were traded for the information about the terrorists. That's huge, huge. But back on the level of of Carrie on on a personal level, oh, man, there's just moments where you just want to throttle the girl, isn't there? It's just like, that is so insane so insane and it makes you again you always have to think about her condition and about all these other things and how is she in this position anyway everybody in the agency has to know about her illness and so you have to think how is she even being made a station head Lockhart is clearly crazy um, with all kinds of of his dealings or inexperienced or whatever and you can see how the cia has uh, looked the other way while all of this is going on as far as sandy is concerned um they really do need saul back which made the the dara doll thing uh talking about him coming back very nice and um carrie talking to saul about working for him in that way very nice but back to carrie once again i mean i think uh her sister really puts it out there really well, uh, Maggie. There is something that I don't understand about that. I mean, Maggie is obviously saying, you know, she calls it. She's like, you're taking all of these positions in dangerous places just so you don't have to raise your daughter. Maggie's very upset by that. The the one thing that, that makes me kind of angry at Maggie is that she and her and Carrie's father were so insistent that Carrie keep this baby, right? And Carrie from the get go, I think, was going to, you know, get rid of it. Not maybe not abort it, but uh, at very least give it up for adoption. Seemed to be where she was wanting to lean to, until Daddy talked her out of it. So, how can I? I, I mean. It's realistic in the fact that Maggie is upset with Carrie for then dumping the baby on on them, but they did make the offer. Uh, So I'm a little frustrated with Maggie about that, just for the fact that, you know, she's coming on so strong about it now. The thing is, is that Carrie did take that position in Afghanistan, though, simply to get away from raising that baby, I think more so than anything. It wasn't any of the other reasons that she cited or whatever. And now she's going back to Pakistan um, to, to do this whole thing. And, and Carrie's got a lot of issues to work with. Um, have we closed the door on the Brody baby thing uh, with this episode when she said goodbye and she said, I'm sorry, probably so uh, at least for now. I, I don't know that we will see much in the way of uh, any of that home life for the baby anymore. And I think I had forgotten just how dogged Carrie can be as well. This whole thing with Harris, where she just follows him around and follows him around, um, that just 
totally says something about her character that when she's right, she just will not let up. And we've seen that before. Uh, but on, on this particular level, it really seemed to be magnified. And that I guess that's one thing that you can like about Carrie, but you can also see is very dangerous for her as well. Uh, that does seem to be the kind of thing that gets her into trouble, not only with her bosses, but sometimes with the opposition as well, uh, often, because she, she just won't ever let up. Of course, if she didn't do that, she wouldn't have had that leverage to use against Lockhart, and that would have been that. She would have been in the U.S., and I guess for her, it would have been terrible to, to be stuck in the U.S. with not doing what she felt like she was capable of doing, and of course, raising a child that I, I think, again, she just really doesn't want. And That's something, though, again, it informs us a lot, and I love when Quinn tells her in the church at the funeral for Sandy, that it's not all about her. You know, I think Carrie does think it's all about her a lot of times, and, and maybe that's part of her illness. I, I'm not really familiar with that kind of disorder, so I can't really speak to it. But I think that you know maybe it does make her seem like it's it's singular, like it's her against the world. And anytime she's denied something or, or she she's something is forced upon her that she doesn't want, then she feels like it's her against the world. And Quinn points out, it's not always just about you. And I think that's a good transition to talk about Quinn. It was great to see him back. Obviously, fantastic to see him back. Quinn is one of my favorite characters in this series. I didn't get to podcast about season three. I just didn't have time. Um, but I thought that the kind of the deterioration of, of Quinn during season three was uh, pretty interesting. And I really didn't expect to see him back. I thought he was getting out. I mean, that under all impressions that I got from season three, watching it um, just recently on uh, Showtime On Demand, gave me the impression that we weren't going to see Quinn again. You know, Carrie was off to a new place, and chances are that Quinn wasn't going to be there. Instead, he's in Pakistan. How convenient. And he uh, he and Carrie experienced that uh, traumatic uh, mob encounter once Sandy is found out. Uh, and I guess his image is broadcast on the TV. He's outed. Who did that? That's the question. Is it the same person that has been his source? What did the, the text tell us about that? And Or did the source just shut down because he had been outed? I don't have any real theories at this point. Uh, the most likely suspect seems to be someone from within the agency, although it could be this source because obviously the source would know who Sandy was. But back to Quinn, I keep diverging off on other questions, but hopefully, you know, you're taking all of this just kind of in the way that my random thoughts are hitting me. Uh, Quinn has a pretty interesting couple of episodes, and he is losing it. He is losing it. I think he probably has become more of the moral compass in a way than, than even Carrie has right now Saul is always going to be a moral compass but we'll talk about him in a little bit but 
Quinn sees what's going on and, and makes it very clear to us as viewers how much it's destroying him. And I, I just, I don't understand why he's still there. We started to see that in season three. And I, you know, maybe this will be a breaking point for Quinn. Maybe this will be the last season we'll see him. Maybe not. You never know. Maybe he'll turn it around again and become the smooth, cool operative that we knew him to be in season two and at the beginning of season three. Either way, as long as Rupert Friend is around, I'll love his performance of Quinn. And like I said, he's just, he's fallen out of there. Um, does anybody think that because he fought so hard to save Carrie in that mob thing, that that's what allowed Sandy to be taken? Probably some people will think that. Not only that, but then he comes home <laughs> And he's with that lovely full-figured woman, and he gets a trouble about it. And boy, does that the CIA operative comes out of him right then, and he even admits that it was an overreaction. I mean, he he could have seriously hurt those two guys. Obviously, he's he's equipped to kill them at any time. But I, you know, the the fact that he does react. And, and you you root for him for that because you you want him to to be in defense of the girl that he's with, but you also want him to keep a little bit cooler head about it. That he even admits that you know he just totally lost his head. But instead of trying to figure out how to deal with it, he's turned into the bottle. That cannot be a good thing. He continues to turn to the bottle, and that's just gonna end up biting him. In the butt. Speaking of people who are getting bit in the ass, what about Saul? Uh, this guy just seems like he's constantly striving for something that he can't have, which is a balance between his personal life and his professional life. I think we as viewers all want Saul to be part of the CIA or at least part of Carrie's team because he's a great mentor to her. He's a great long-term thinker as is even demonstrated by that first scene where he's working as a private contractor and they're trying to negotiate a contract with a couple of generals in that conference room. He presents uh, or he starts to try to present a totally different solution, uh, which of course, undermines the contract, gets him in a lot of trouble. He's talking to uh, talking to his wife about it, and his wife says, "This is my time. This is where I wanted to be. They want to. She wants to be in New York." So, I'll, seemingly, they've been they were very happy about it, according to him, in the private sector for a little while. But now he's not happy at all. And of course, the whole dollar dar thing brings him up an opportunity perhaps later on in this in this particular season but for now Carrie also offers her him an opportunity but he's seen it time and time again and he's just never going to learn this lesson that to make himself happy he can't make his wife happy to make his wife happy he can't make himself happy which is why I think when his wife asks for a separation I mean I hate to root against characters being in love but for crying out loud, if their professional lives are so important to them, then maybe they shouldn't be together. I don't know. What do you think? You can yell at me. You can scream at me at Homeland Field on Twitter or Homeland Field Division Podcast at gmail.com. 
But I, I really feel like Saul is caught between a rock and a hard place, and he's going to have to leap to one or the other. Uh, he's going to have to take whatever pain that that leap causes him, and he's going to have to choose. And I wonder if this will be the season where we will see that one way or the other. It seemed like he had made that choice, although the choice was kind of made for him because Lockhart was coming in. He was on a way out. And he'd done a lot of good in his position as acting director of CIA, but I guess it just doesn't translate over to the private sector the way he had thought, and now Carrie's offering him this opportunity. I think if he takes it, then we're going to see a dramatic change in his marital status at some point in the near future. That's what you can gleam about where the characters are, I guess, in the, these first two episodes. There are a lot of questions, you know. Every The beginning of every new season of Homeland uh, presents us with a bunch of questions that we don't have any answers for. We don't have any really any speculations for. Who is this ex that Sandy was texting and trading secrets with and getting locations of terrorists from? We're going to need to know that at some point in this season. We're going to need to know how high up the chain this was actually known. Did Lockhart actually know? Kind of looks like he might have in a way, uh, even though he, I think he's trying to sidestep it. Uh, obviously he takes Carrie's threat seriously enough because he's going to send her back to Pakistan. The other big questions are what, when will Quinn rejoin the team or will he, um, that's a big question as well. Uh, the uh, Another question is, what happens here now with this boy? Who were those two guys that came in and to, to silence him? And why silence him? Do, do they want, is it a group that, that wants the sentiment or perhaps the anti-American sentiment to, to grow even further in Pakistan and his, as Lockhart had pointed out, this this boy uh, Kieran, his his response to the reporter was fairly level-headed. Um, and I like this kid. He's a medical student. He's he's uh, smart. He didn't want that video released, and that it's a terrible thing that his roommate did to him by turning it over to this cousin who put it up on the internet. Um, but why why was he stashing these medical supplies or whatever it was that he, he took with him and kind of gave to his quasi-girlfriend to, to keep for him? Well, what's going on with all of that in terms of you know, what is his other involvement here? There's obviously some ulterior involvement that could will ultimately change our minds about him one way or the other. It'll Well, okay, it'll either reinforce that he's just a good kid that had a terrible thing happen to him, or it will make us wonder, you know, is, is he part of a terrorist organization? And what will all of that lead to? And, of course, I, th I think we're going to get some answers uh, to that, or at least we're going to have part of that plot perhaps revealed next week. And... Isn't it convenient that this whole thing kind of blew up with a wedding? Again, that makes me ask about this this informant that Sandy was working with. Now, obviously, we're not going to get any answers from Sandy, but 
was offering up some of these terrorists, did did some other group get to this informant and say, you're going to offer up this terrorist at such and such time because we know it's going to create havoc and it's going to create anti-sentiment against uh, uh, the Americans by having the bombing of a wedding. Um, that seems plausible. Let me know what your theories are. Maybe we'll we'll talk about a couple of them uh, next week. Again, you can tweet me at Homeland Field, or you can send an email to Homeland Field Division Podcast at gmail dot com. You can find all of those links at Homeland Field Division dot WordPress dot com. And my name is Matt Murdick. I don't really have anything else to say about these two episodes. I thought they were great episodes. They were very tense. They had some WTF moments for sure. The Carrie baby thing. I probably could have spent this whole 20 minutes talking just about that, but I didn't figure that was all you wanted to hear about. What are your theories so far? What are your questions? Um, what's Saul going to do? How's that going to affect his personal life? All, all those kind of questions just are, are now on the edge and brimming and we'll have to see them play out as this season goes along. I'm really not telling you anything that you don't already know, obviously, but I do appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast and let me spout off my thoughts, which you're probably having as well, and I would love to hear yours. Until next time, this is Matt Murdick. Take care. homelandfielddivision.wordpress.com